Uh, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount and, and uh, realizing that Jesus is quite serious about what he says. How many of you believe that the Word of God is, in, is written by inspiration of God, or as the Greek words, theopneusto? God wrote the Bible. Okay, how about this? Is it better that Jesus is an expert on Jesus, or is it better that somebody you met in the neighborhood is the expert feeding you a jello mold Jesus? How many of you think Jesus is probably the number one expert on his opinion? And, and so as we dig into this, I want to do a disclaimer that many of the words of Jesus I, I didn't personally write. I know that I look like the Ancient of Days, but I appeared on the globe in 1955, 10 years after the end of World War uh, II. There was a new war being launched in Castro Valley, California, and here I come. But I, I, I'm not the Ancient of Days. But, but so I'm saying that because, you know, sometimes people think, well, you know, preachers are writing the Bible or people are just putting in their own interpretation. But long before any of us were ever born, Jesus walked on the earth and he spoke what he wanted to have happen in his kingdom. How many of you know that if you don't like the rule of the house, get out of the house? How many had it, folks that were that way? It's like, here's what we're serving. If you don't like it, hoof it. Okay, eight of us were, had normal lives. The rest of us are dysfunctional. Now my mama just got up there and gave me Cabin Crunch all the time. You know, come on now. How many had parents that basically said, these are the rules of the house and like it or lump it? Well, the Bible talks about the kingdom of God as the house of God. And, 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 and Father God is father of the house. Jesus says the elder brother, he came and he said, here's really what's up behind the curtain. This is the way father wants his kingdom run. And, and I will tell you some, some things. Some of what I'm going to tell you today, I don't like. Because the words of Jesus can be harsh. And I know in, in many people jello mold Jesus, Jesus is never angry. Jesus never kicks over the tables. He never talks about hell. He only talks about unconditional love, which incidentally is never found in the Bible. But the real Jesus actually spoke about things. And today, as we look at, at some of his rules and standards, we're going to see that some of them, he said, are so important to adhere to that it can be the difference between eternal life or f the flames of hell's fire. Now, I don't know about you, but hell sounds hellish. It's not popular to talk about judgments in hell. Brother, I'm not comfortable hearing about hell. Uh, can I tell you something? It's better to be uncomfortable hearing about hell than go to hell and not be able to discuss it. Now's the time we can look at the words of Jesus and say, hey, what did he actually say about certain things? And it may really help us to shape uh, a, a mode of obedience and seeking of God where we ask God to let the Holy Spirit do more than just make us loud. How many of you know the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not that you be a loud train noise or a big whistle, 
But the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to write the law of God on the fleshly tables of your heart so that you can be led by the Spirit into compliance with the nature of God. And I like Pentecostal loud services. In fact, if you guys are too quiet, I'm wondering what's wrong. And so I like hearing you sing. I like hearing you worship. But at the end of the day, I'd rather have everybody be stone silent and go out in total compliance to Jesus than shouting down the power and nobody, nobody following Jesus. So how many of you know that worship is, includes praise, it includes singing and dancing, but it also includes obedience to God? So we're going to be talking about standards. You know, I, I, I think of, of how important standards are. And I, I was just had a chance to meet Emmanuel today. And, and, and I was thinking about when I was in, in, in Mexico and we were in, in, in uh, Cabo San Lucas. And so uh, we had been on a cruise boat and, and my sister Cindy was there. And we took mom on this cruise. And so we, I don't know if you remember this, Cindy, but we rented a van. And, and we went to that one restaurant. And so, so when I should have given the guy 50, 50 pesos, I handed him 500 you know, which would be instead of like five dollars, he, he got 50. And he, he got out of there, almost spun the wheels on the taxi. It's like, whoa, happy days are here again, the sky is blue. And, you know, because I didn't, you know, I was slow in the standard. Computing, okay, how much, you know, how many pesos is this in dollars? And so I just, I really gave him a great tip. For a $5 cab ride, he got a $45 tip. He went home and said, Maria, things are, are better today, you know. Dio le bendiga, you know, I, you know, yo soy bendito, I'm, I'm very blessed. And, and, and then, then how about the fisherman? You know, the one-armed fisherman, you ever heard of him? He came home and he said, look, I caught a fish this long. It's hard to figure out what, well, what do you mean? Was it that long or was it the, a whale? No, it was just that long. We need standards. As much as I don't like every, every standard and every, like in building codes, sometimes in building codes it can seem overkill. I mean, if you have a, a, a you know, asbestos, you see some asbestos uh, drywall liner or asbestos shingles, now you've got to bring the guys under hazmat and what do they do? They come out with like a 29-cent mask on their face and, and bags you can get it down at the grocery store. They throw this stuff in and you're complying to the code. But you know, it's so much better to have a building code. There was an earthquake that hit Turkey the same strength as one that hit Klamath Falls just outside of Klamath a number of years ago. I think it was like 6.5 on the Richter scale. And in Klamath, nobody lost their life it didn't crack the roads, it didn't knock houses down, but in, but in Turkey, because they have a lot of houses that are made just by standing rock on top of it, each other, and maybe putting in a mud mortar, it caved in on people, and 30,000 people lost their life. Rules are there for a purpose. A couple things I wanna say about God. Because I want to serve the one that actually exists. That's one thing about me. I'm suspicious by nature. If you say you locked the door, I go, thank you for locking the door. And then when you leave, I'm looking to make sure you did. 
How many of you are also suspicious by nature? That's why you've got earplugs in, you're not listening to me at all. You're suspicious. He could be telling us something wrong. And so I just have this aversion to a fabricated God that when I actually get before him and I see Jesus, who won't look like a surfer boy from Malibu, but he's got hair of white, eyes of fire, his mouth, out of his mouth comes a sound as the voice of many waters. And, you know, this Jesus, who represents the Father, who the Bible says in the Old Testament, that the voice of God causes the deer to miscarry, breaks the cedars of Lebanon. I want to tell you something. When I go before God, I'm wearing Depends. Because he's powerful. And he's not like the marshmallow Jesus being taught today. And, and, and so, for me, I want to know the truth. I want to be able to read the Bible and pull off the cultural filter or maybe somebody in your neighborhood, somebody in your social circle, a family member, told you Aunt Bertha stories about Jesus. Like that song, I've heard a thousand stories of what they say you're like, but I've met you like tender whispers in the night. You're a good, good father. This person that wrote that's talking about personally meeting God, me meeting Jesus. But when you have a spiritual meeting, you've got to run that through the Bible. Because both kingdoms have spirits that talk to you. And, and how do you know who God is, really is, but by the authority of Scripture, by having judgments and standards. So a couple things that I've learned about God. Number one is God doesn't put out law. God doesn't say, wow, I don't know what I'll be. I think I'll, what will we be, Trinity? Um, what will we be? Oh, well, let's be moral. No, God, before any any of his moral creation, humans, living creation like animals, for any planet ever existed, God had a code of ethics within him. God is holy even before there was a human to view. He, didn't, he wasn't like this, this cosmic sleaze that said, oh, we're having kids now. We need to clean up our act. God always was pure. God always tells the truth. He cannot lie. God will never steal. God will never usurp. And so when he messes in our life and we're going, it's my life. No, that's Billy Joel's doctrine. God's doctrine is the earth is the Lord. The earth and all of its inhabitants are God's. You're property of God. How do I know? Because you go back to God in usually less than 100 years. I've never seen anybody be able to recycle and live 200 years, 300 years. Many, many generations ago, people did live that long. But today, most people start checking out, you know, in their 80s, 90s, and hardly anyone survives past 100 years. So, though it's your body to use, it's not your body to keep. That's why we patch it and spackle it, tummy tuck it, hiney hike it, and do all the things we can do. Because it's a borrowed tent. And it's going back to the owner. And so God is 
of his own nature, he abides by a code of ethics. Number two, God, before there was a creation, there was a hierarchy in the heavens. The Father sends the Son, who said, I'm going to go back to the Father, and I'm going to send to you another comforter. I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. So the executive level of things that go on today happen because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, and the Holy Spirit is Christ in us. The Holy Spirit is here executing the will of God, and when all the enemies are put under the feet of Jesus, Jesus is going to take all the authority and give it back to the Father. It started from the Father because, see, pre-existent, there was hierarchy. Now, here's the problem, that there's, there's major heresies sweeping through Christianity today. You know, we don't need no education. We don't need no, you know, discipline. Just, you know, and so there's this, this rampant misuse of what we call being guided by the Holy Spirit. No one's going to tell me what to do. I'm led of the Holy Spirit. You know what? We don't have a neurotic Holy Spirit. The, the, the Holy Spirit said that he, he gave apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists. He put elders in our life. And Hebrews 13, 7 and, and 17 says, obey those that have the rule over you. So, because they give account of your soul. Let me just say this. When, when you know, one of the big things I'll, I'll fight for your family for, and, and there are people today that can stand up and affirm, I will always fight for your right to rule in your own home. When you come to joy, I'm not the authority of every family here. I'm the designated spokesman. I have a call to teach the gospel clearly. But the, the rulership goes back to the individual church in the home. The Irons Church comes and joins the Joy Church. And the Kelly Church, and the Miller Church, and the Schmelzer Church, and the Arechiga Church, and, and on and on and on. Because I really believe that, that this hierarchical thing that God has given us is important that, that we understand. Girls, if you follow the biblical plan, you're supposed to be able to trust the guy that, 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 that marries you. It might be a good idea not to give him sex when he doesn't even work. It might be a good idea to stay pure because if you follow what God says, that man has a very powerful, authoritative place in your life. And guys, you might want to put the joystick down. You might want to actually build a life because you can't live in mama's basement and be happily married and raise a good family. We, we have to look to Father to get that pattern, don't we? Come on, clap. That was good. Yeah. That's about all I wanted to say today. Let's go home, call it good, get some pizza, beat the Baptist down to, to Whopperville, you know. No, I'm, I got more to say. God is intrinsically law within himself, he has a standard. Jesus came along to unplug all those wells that were plugged up by people who were misrepresenting. And number two, hierarchy. So very important. 
People ask me all the time, how'd you raise kids that like you did? Well, number one, Kim raised them. I just, just started saying amen. But one of the things that we taught them is respect. Okay? Who's, who's, who's running the show? If, 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 if Natalie's leading, Jake, chill out. Just get on board, you and Gino and Johnny. Nat's the shot caller on this project. Other project, Natalie, be quiet. Gino and Johnny, be quiet, which Gino never had a problem with. Johnny has always had a problem with being quiet. <laughs> this, is, this is Jake's call. How many know that the world's easy if we would keep our fingers off the wheel that someone else is trying to steer? Your turn, lead. Not your turn, follow. It's biblical. It's what the Trinity does. Father sends the son. He's not meddling all the time. Hey, son, I think you're kind of running the kingdom down there kind of bad. And Holy Spirit, like, oh, I'm just psycho about both of you guys, man. You know, doesn't work. We need standards in our world. So who sets standards for the kingdom of God? And how are they measured? Jesus understood that Father God was the source and that, that he, and he was going to clearly state what that looked like in his kingdom. So we're going to find some Jesus standards. The first thing Jesus did in Matthew 5, starting at verse 17, is disabuse us of this heretical craziness that you can throw your Old Testament away. I've had people tell me, I don't need to read the old book. I'm in the New Testament. New Testament means nothing to you if you don't understand God's right to rule as delineated in the Old Testament. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We need all 66 books of the Bible. Not just 27 or 29 of them, whatever it is, 27 of them. Yeah, the New Testament. We need more. We need all of them. And so here's what Jesus said, reading from the NLT. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish or throw away the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its pur purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Someone's got a conscience that's, that's broken, and maybe they're torn up because they've been drinking, and, and, and you want to just rise up and high dudgeon and let them know it ain't that bad and then and then begin to spew out some heresy that that what you do with your body doesn't matter to god and all of a sudden you've lowered a sense of law god's dealing with someone's heart so they don't destroy their life and their family god said you you start tearing down the law of god you're going to be leased What's written is written. There's a battle that rages in our, in our world. Well, same-sex affection and love. I have compassion for any person that comes in with gender confusion. Every homosexual man, every lesbian girl, I want to tell you, if you're here and you're battling that, I love you. 
You are not guilty because that's what, you're, what you battle, but you are told by the scripture in Old and New Testament to not give yourself to that behavior. It's a behavior issue. It's an obedience issue. Well, the church doesn't care about love. No, no, no. We care about love, but man can't dictate to God how he's to be loved. God has given us things, and no means no. Well, I want the ten suggestions, not the ten commandments. <laughs> really? I'd like the, the skies to rain cheeseburgers when I'm hungry, but it doesn't happen. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, reading the words of Jesus, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest details of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Okay, I already read that. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll find out that everything that the law said, <laughs> Jesus took it further. I don't have time to read that whole chapter because what we're going to be looking at are verses 21 through 48. And we won't have time to read it verse by verse and then exegete it. And, and, and So I'm going to uh, basically refer to these things that Jesus had an opinion on, had a declaration on. But what you'll find is whatever was in the Old Testament, like I'll give you an example. In the Old Testament, the taxation among the Jews was basically two tithes and, and a third tithe. So basically their, their taxation, which if it was all that we paid in taxes, it'd be pretty cheap. 23 and, and a third percent was mandated under the law. 10% was for your, your uh, religious holiday. Wouldn't you like to pay 10% for your vacation? We'd all go to see, minister at Jamie's church in, in La Paz. You know? But, so, there are people, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know if tithing is taught in the New Testament. No, it isn't. 100% is taught in the New Testament. So, for me to say, well, for Kim and I, if we pull back to only the tithe, we know we violated God's holy command to us. We're, we're way over that. And we, we've not been released to then just say, it's my money. No, it's not. Even my body's not my own. So how in the world, if my body, which is really a lot more strapped to me than my money, because my money's flown away many times in my life, if I can't even own my body, then why do I think I can own my money? And so for us, the tithe was just kind of like, you know, broad jumping. That's, that's that spot where you launch. <sighs> now we get into the fun part of giving, way past the tithe. Tithe is a spot. Because the New Testament, it's always better than. And Jesus is saying this, is if you're just trying to, like, trying to hold to an old standard, and I'm bringing the kingdom with grace, the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus, the body of Christ coming into motion, fivefold ministry, growing church. It, it, it's time to understand you aren't going to do it by just gritting your teeth and holding on, thinking you're going to do this in your own strength. 
If you understand the requirements of Jesus, you'll know, I need to pray. I need more help. Um, I have in my notes that, that Matthew, kind of, uh, his gospel was centered towards the Jews to show Christ as the coming king of the Jews, and he quotes from the Old Testament 60 times in the book of Matthew, showing that the New Testament was actually enfolded in the Old. It was there. Most of all the truths were there. All the major truths were there. But it's unfolded in the New. And so that's what Jesus was doing in, in writing through Matthew, the, the Gospel of Matthew. Christ's new measuring system is better than. Everything he does, he says he, it's better this way. So he gives examples how a Christian's righteousness and standard is different or better in Christ's kingdom. The law was the picket fence of commandments and Jesus filled in the spaces in between. <laughs> Jesus is taking the Ten Commandments and other portions of the law and filling in the blanks with a new commandment. Romans 13.8 says, Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not co covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's love. We see that Jesus cut right into this. And I, I, as we go through these, I want to show to you how love, love is an answer. You know, it's from time to time people say, I'm battling with lust. I, I taught my kids, don't hide from the sin you're pondering. That's bad Christian teaching. That's like monkey see, monkey do. Hide your eyes. I can't think about it. If I'm sitting there thinking about falling off a skateboard, that's all I'll be thinking about. I can't fall off, I can't fall off, I can't fall off. What are you thinking about? Nothing. Okay. What I tell my kids is say, let's say one of my sons that's married is battling lust. I say, okay, let's not hide from it, let's look at it. And I'll use my, myself as an example. So let's say I, I, I have an affair, right? Well, the Lord would forgive you. That is so shallow. What about the ripples and all the kids that need a holy man of God to be their leader? God is very forgiving. Your, your testimony, your obedience is because there are people around you. Not just a God that will forgive you. So what, what, what I do is I play through the scenario. Okay? Every sin runs to an explosion. Well, I can closet drink and I've got this under control. They always do until they're, they're sleeping under the Bear Creek Bridge. Now, what I do is I begin to visualize my beautiful brown-eyed woman, girl, that's love me with a pure heart. So let's say that Lulu Bell is Mac and hard. I know 
that happened last time 40 years ago, but if it happened, okay, I go, how would I go and tell my wife that my selfishness and lust shattered the purity of our sexual relationship? I was having a heart problem and and Jake was there and he told mom, he said, dad's got to get better. He's my hero. Having respect in my children who live with me and around me means a lot. How do I look at my kids and say, no, I didn't function in love for your mom, for God, for the church, for you guys. That's why adultery is unloving. I guess you guys think it is loving, apparently. Murder. You go murder someone. Well, the Lord can forgive me, yeah, but what about that woman that raised that that young man? And you, in a fit of anger, took a tire iron and beat him to death. How do you put that genie back in the bottle? Love is the fulfillment of the law. Lying. Lying was the most wicked thing I could visualize my kids doing. If I'd ever catch my kids, which was only a couple times, in a lie, I felt suicidal. Because if you can lie, you can do anything. And very likely will do anything. It's the very heart throb of how Satan communicates. It's his native tongue. And to have moral people, someone has got to tell the truth. In fact, if all of you do, it's heaven on earth. Because if you know that you have to honestly answer what websites you're going to, you have to honestly answer your work ethic, there's a lot of crud that never gets started. Jesus said, hey, don't give me the picket fences. I'm going to fill in the blanks. You're going to have a complete board fence. Not only it was stated, oftentimes in a prohibitive manner, I'm going to emphatically say, hey, don't even, like murder, all of a sudden, it's not just you, you murder and you get judged, but if you're angry or vindictive, you're in danger of hell. You're told don't murder, but I say if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. What's it mean? It's to tell someone they're not saved. You fool. I want to tell you something. I never tell someone they're not saved. In fact, I like to ask people that are walking waywardly why they're being a hypocrite. The Spirit of God's in you. Why are you acting like you're a sinner? You're not a sinner. You've been re- reborn in God. Quit playing a hypocrite and get back in an adherence to the law of God, his holy law. <laughs> being offended. <laughs> so I'm presenting an, an, a sacrifice at the altar of the temple under the Old Testament, I could present the offering, and that was for me. Here, God, this is the schmelz. Here's your offering. Now you go to the altar, and God says, hey, you know what? Someone's upset with you validly. 
This isn't just someone trying to pot shot you. You, you hurt somebody. I had to call a, a minister up last week because Natalie had discovered I'd hurt his feelings. We had a heated dialogue. We're not totally through the process of talking. First thing I did is I texted him. I said, I am sorry that I hurt you. You mean the world to me. He wrote back and said, hey, I'm sorry I, I didn't disclose and this and that. We're working on it. You just can't be running on and stepping on everybody and thinking that I'll just get with God. No. God says, your, your walk with me is not just vertical. It's vertical and horizontal. You've got, you got to play nice in the sandbox with the other players in the game. So you leave the sacrifice under the new covenant and you're reconciled to the offended person. Disagreements. <laughs> and under the old covenant, you settled differences by the letter of the law. <laughs> you didn't see me do it. The new, you settle differences by the spirit of the law. I remember years ago, there was a couple of young guys that worked on a project with one of our older leaders, and, 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 and my leader did not validly owe the bill. The guys didn't get the job done. But one, one kid was so convinced that it was his valid pay, I sat in a mediation, and, and my friend said, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you. It's like $2,500. How many of you would pay $2,500 when you know, legitimately, you don't know it? You do it when the Spirit of God's in you. And you say, you know what? I'm not going to destroy a relationship over stinking few dollars. It just so happened I owed this, this leader some money, and I told him, I'll, I'll give you back the money I owe you. So it helped in my own, own way. Adultery. Old Testament said, you, you, you must not commit adultery. I've heard nonsense. Hey, I can look. I just can't touch. No, Moroni. That's not the way it works. If anyone looks at a woman with intent to lust, has already committed adultery in, with her in his heart. Now, here's where Jesus gets really unchristlike. So if your eye, even your good eye or your right eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. Some of you need to watch Throw Mama from the Train. And Danny DeVito kept having a fantasy of putting an ice pick in his mother's ear. That ice pick would be a good eye gouger. I just can't get over lust. <laughs> Do you really think Jesus wants one-eyed Christians or, you know, we're, we're all with guard dogs, guide dogs, you know. So we all have guide dogs and we're just all over I don't think that Jesus is really wanting blinded people. And he goes on, he even talks about if, you know, your hand offends you, you keep stealing, cut it off. And then he gets into the really rough part because it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Gut check. Do I believe in hell? And your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. You keep punching people at Walmart, it's got to go. <laughs> it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. 
two major teachings on hell. Well, there's three. One's a total heretical one, that there is no hell. There is a hell. It's real. It's where non-family go. Only family are going to go into the kingdom of God and go into heaven. And people that actually want the house rules. If everything about God's holy law repels you, trust me, you will not be afflicted with heaven. You will go where your people are. And Jesus is down home. He's not trying to fake a certain kind of grace. He's just saying this, that you need to take serious what's going on with your eye and your hands. You, you need to take care of what's going on with your attitudes and your angers and malice and holding grudges and keeping things unresolved. Tie up those loose strings. Get those trailing vines bound up because there's, there's hell. There's two perspectives of hell that are, are major and are to be considered. One is you bob up and down in the lake of fire forever. That's the classical interpretation. And then there's another interpretation where you're thrown into the lake of fire because you've been a violator, you've hated God, and you burn there until your level of punishment is achieved, at which point you're turned into cinder and it's as though you never existed. Which one of those sounds good? None. Whether I bob up and down in hell or whether I go and tell my necessary payment and am eliminated, which is what Seventh-day Adventist Church teaches, neither of them sound good. I think entering the kingdom of God and running by his standards. Divorce. Divorce is an option in the Old Testament. Jesus said, divorce without unfaithfulness. If you divorce someone and they marry someone else, you're forcing them to commit adultery. I think we need to look at marriage as being a lot more solemn Vows. Under the Old Testament, keep your vows. Under the New Testament, don't make vows, just tell the truth. Yes and no. Revenge. Old Testament, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. New Testament, even if you get taken, give your coat to. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. In the Old, it was justice without mercy. In the New Testament, mercy triumphs over justice. Finally, enemies. Love your enemy and hate your... Uh, the, the law says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies. Under the old, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. Under the new, love like God loves. God loves his enemies. We're to love them. <laughs> and finally, verse 48. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. One guy told me years ago, he said, well, perfect means mature. Okay, let's go over this. Be as mature as God is mature, which is perfect. Anyone home here? Okay. 
It's a big challenge. Be perfect. We should never have a problem with getting any of you at any prayer meeting we ever call. Unless you can show me the holes in your hands. We're going we're gonna to have a prayer meeting. We're just going to seek God. Oh, man, you know, I, I've, I've been around. I've heard all that, yeah. That's all right, Dr. Pharisee. I know about you, but I believe I need to persevere. That it'd be really bad for me to be up in my 60s, heading to my 70s, and suddenly get caught in the flesh, living for me, not reading the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you feel we need a little fear of God back in the house of God? We need to tremble at the word of God. Go ahead and stand up with me. I'm not done yet, but it, it makes it look like I'm done. The Sermon on the Mount is Christ's explanation of how we must be before we try to do. I'd like you to repeat with me. I am going to give consistent energy to conforming my life, attitudes, and behavior in that direction. I may stumble, but it's worth it. I would just as soon keep my limbs and enter heaven, two eyes, nine toes. Oh, that's just me. Uh, we got it, don't we? We got it. Let me just read. My dear wife wrote this paragraph, and I really like what she wrote. Man was created in the image of God. Man chose sin and separation from God, and the image was broken. Jesus came and lived the, the standard. He is the exact imprint of God's nature because he is God. He became a man so that he could restore us to the image of God through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Exchanging our life, our attempts at righteousness for the life and righteousness of God is how we can be perfect. Exchange. Nancy Honeytree, her name in German is Henningbaum, but Honeytree is the English interpretation, but Nancy Honeytree sang a song back in the 70s called Clean Before the Lord I Stand, and in me no evil does he see. I believe that it's, it's possible today, orita. We, we have the ability to have the Lord cleanse us immediately so that we can leave here clean before the Lord I stand. How many can say, I'm guilty of everything I'm guilty of? But it's exchanging. I bring my spotty obedience and I trade it for Christ's righteousness. 
which allows me to wake up every day. I don't wake up any day going, God, you need to hear me because I'm a pastor. I never pray as a pastor. I pray as a seeker and as a son. We were hopeless in this universe. But God didn't leave us to be destroyed. He came to us. And when you feel his call, you're conveyed away from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. And it takes humility to know, God, I may stumble, but I want people around me to see he's stumbling forward. He's reaching for something. He's reaching for a perfection that can only come from God. And like Abraham, that bunch of people at Joy Church, they're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. They're on a pilgrimage. They're on that highway of holiness. They're on the John 14 many mansions to come to the mansion that he's prepared for us. That where he is, we may be also. Can you hear the psalmist? Can you hear the prophets of old? Can you hear David who sinned greatly? And he said, as for me, I will behold your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. How many of you have had a little road rash in your walk with God? A little road rash in your experience? Maybe people that abandon you. Maybe even loss of marriage. People that walk away from you. But I'll tell you, this is one pursuit that I want to sell today with all my heart is I want every young person get on that highway of holiness and stand against this lie that's all across our city that what you do doesn't matter. It matters if you believe what Jesus says. How many of you say, it matters? It matters. Am I ready for a new standard and measuring system for my life? That's application question one. Application question two, have I made the exchange of Jesus' righteousness for my own? Are you standing in your own spotty obedience? My, my obedience sucks compared to Christ's complete obedience to the Father. That's why I want to stand in his righteousness. His umbrella won't leak, mine will. And then number three, and finally, am I ready to look like my Father God? How, how is this church going to change? Because I believe this word is working in your heart. I believe we're going we're to come out of here like our hair's on fire. And I believe that we're going to say, God, do not pass me by. I need a visitation from God. I need something inside of me that takes my righteousness and pole vaults it way past the Pharisees' level. I'm not looking for minimums anymore. I want to be changed and transformed by the Spirit of God. How many say, me too? Bow your head real quickly. Week after week, people come in here and they know that they need, they need God in their life. You came to the right place. <laughs> God is served up here. We preach Him. 
we invite you under his guidance to be a part of his family. The Bible teaches you must be born again. You are born as a human, but you must be born again to be a child of God. And what it is, is all the heavy lifting was done by God himself. Jesus lived, he died on the cross, he rose from the grave, which was the receipt. The payment was made. That was the resurrection was God's receipt saying, Bill paid, and he can save you. If you're here today and say, I want to join God, I, you, you don't even necessarily need to know everything about it, but you're here saying, Pastor, I want God in my life. I want to know God. I'd like everyone here that came here looking for change, just raise your hand. We're not going to make you walk down here or anything. Just, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm hearing you. I want God in my life. I see a hand here. I see another hand here looking around. Okay. There may be several others. But let's just pray this right now. Pray this with me real, real quickly. Dear Father, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need the Holy Spirit. Change my heart. Change my mind. Make me a new person. As you stated, you would. That if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. I'm calling on your name, as you said, that you would save me if I called on your name. Today, dear Father, if you'll be my Father, I'll be your child. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. I receive you today, dear Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.